welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, which is full of old, spoiled calamari, a rabid wildebeest, a Russian nesting doll, but instead of smaller and smaller dolls, it's eviler and eviler ghouls, and the physical embodiment of death. I'm Mikey McCaller. And I'm Roxy Polk. Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. What went down in your life, Roxy, outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your bones? I cleaned the trunk of my car. Oh, God. <laughs> a lot of murder victims back there? Uh, yeah, specifically, it was the, um, there's like a gutter around the trunk of my car that will, like, catch debris so it does not contaminate the interior of my car. And there is so much muck and grossness just in, in Portland. It's rainy all the time. And there's a bunch of really tall trees in my apartment, uh, not in my apartment, by where my car is parked. So all kinds of just gross tree debris right. lands down there. And then that and the water create a kind of sludge that it looks like literally the black goo from the movie we will watch last week, which was the hollow. It looks like the hollow goo, Mikey. It's that gross. <laughs> so I put on some gloves and I cleaned out the gutter of my trunk and it was disgusting but now i have a clean trunk gutter so yay roxy it sounds like your trunk was full of what one of my favorite professional wrestlers once described as tree sperm ew i mean it's a lot of pine needles and leaves i guess there's some of that too it sounds disgusting one of my favorite pro wrestlers daniel bryan or i'm sorry his name is brian danielson now okay there's a interview he did for some reason that has become a meme where he talks about when i eat an apple i'm essentially eating tree sperm most fruits are semen and that's what it sounds like your trunk is full of wow i i love how now that's going to be something i can't not think of whenever i eat an apple which i eat fairly often actually thanks for that gift mikey so mikey what is the scariest thing that happened to you this week all right rocky let me set the stage all right i'm dog sitting for a friend of mine I'm over at his Edge house. Of my seat. Okay. It's late at night. I had just ordered Postmates. I put in my order. I pushed the button. It's All on right. its way. Good. Not two minutes after ordering Postmates. Again, late at night. We're talking like 11, 12 p.m. Okay. There is a knocking at the door. All right. And it wasn't just my imagination. Like the dog barked too. Okay. So I'm sitting here wondering. Was my Postmates being delivered by Sonic the Hedgehog? Why was it so fast? There was something so incredibly disconcerting about pushing the Postmates button and immediately hearing Postmates arrive that was truly upsetting to me. Was the place really close by? Like, where did you order from? Here's the thing. There was nobody there. My actual Postmates came like 45 minutes later. But who was (laughs) knocking on the door? Some sort of creature or stalker person who uh maybe you gotta be careful if they followed you back from your house sitting trip mikey have you been getting any mysterious knocks on your door late at night it hasn't happened again yet but can i tell you what's truly scary about this okay other than maybe being stalked by some psycho or creature what else other than that (laughs) what's really scary is that the economy is so bad right now that it wasn't wild for me to think that maybe sonic the hedgehog is delivering postmates He's got to make a living somehow. Is there like a good exchange rate on those rings that he's always gathering? I doubt it. (laughs) Not in the real world. Can you imagine Sonic the Hedgehog like going to Target and he's got like, you know, uh, a little box of salad and (laughs) some uh, uh, Alexa plugs. (laughs) He's going to take home and make his setup a little better. And they're like, okay, $42.92. And he puts like four rings down. (laughs) The Target employee is just looking at him. And like, I can't do anything with that. I need to call my manager. He's like, what? But this is currency. And then Sonic jumps into the air and does his homing attack on the target employee. (laughs) And then you can just walk on out of there for free. It's one way to solve a situation. Here he comes, the demon bot. Mikey and Roxy, last week you were assigned the 1975 film Jaws, directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, and Richard Dreyfuss. Did you watch the film or your soul's forfeit? Yep, I watched Jaws. I watched it as well. Then prove you watched the film by giving a short plot recap. Okay, well, here, let me just say, Demon Bot, 
In Jaws, uh, the movie opens with a shark eating a girl. The sheriff wants to close down the beaches because you can't have people swimming at the beach if there's a shark eating it. But since it's the big 4th of July bash, the mayor decides to keep the beaches open for the sake of the town's economy. And our hero, Sheriff Brody, eventually convinces the mayor to come around. He gets uh, his buddy Quint and his other buddy, uh, what's his name? Richard Dreyfus, to get together. And they get out on a boat and they go hunt down the shark. It appears you have watched the film. You may keep your souls. Cool, Roxy. High five. All right. For now. Ooh. Uh, Big waste of a high five. But at least we didn't high five Demon Bot. I almost did. I was like raising my hand up and then I was like, wait a minute. And then he said the line. Yeah, he did that thing where he was like, had his hand up for a high five and then he pulled it away and went, for now. And we were like, like that one kind of hurt worse. Yeah. We're all prepared to, like, celebrate together, and he just crushed it in the bad way. Well, Roxy, let's go through this movie and talk about it as we go. The major moments that happened in Jaws, we open on a beach. There is uh, a girl named Chrissy who is going swimming. Mm -hmm. It's, like, stuck in my brain. Like, I had this movie on DVD as a kid, and I didn't watch it a ton. This is actually the first DVD I ever got. Weird. I feel like everybody's first DVD was something really weird like that, right? Yeah. Like, just randomly, you had Jaws. I think mine was, like, some Colin Farrell movie that I can't even remember what it was now. What do you think would be the best movie to be your first DVD? I know, I'd say that varies per person. Uh, do you have an answer to that? Well, I think that, like, Citizen Kane should just come with DVD players. <laughs> okay. It's like a good movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, universally touted very good movie universally beloved i think anybody could watch citizen kane and enjoy it it's a very funny movie i don't know it's kind of like you remember how like consoles would have those packs where it would come with a couple of very landmark titles i don't think dvds did that but they should have done that every super nintendo came with super mario world every dvd player should come with citizen kane it's obvious to me there you go is why we went digital uh so it opens with this girl running across the beach you know like being chased like they're flirty they're having a bonfire yeah there's like a guy she was making eyes with and they're like we should go skinny dipping i guess in the ocean and like the guy is so drunk he's like stumbling and falling over and she's like tee hee keep up and he just like can't even he can't put a foot he in is... front of the other roxy he's so drunk it's it's like some of the best drunk acting i've ever seen it was like uh-huh. yeah this guy is drunk he's like kind of self-aware he's just like i know i gotta uh, figure this out. He like literally falls asleep half in the surf and half not. <laughs> He's like, give me a minute, and then just literally <laughs> passes out. The moment when the girl, Chrissy, is running towards the beach and the guy is chasing her. He's like, where are we going? She says, this is why I was talking about my DVD, because like I'd okay. seen this movie, just the beginning of this movie so many times, that her going, swimming, is like burned in my brain. And like I didn't oh. remember anything about this movie until I heard that, and just it that all line. came back to me. So she's nice. Obviously, things don't go well. (laughs) Yeah, it's too bad what happens to her. Uh, Yeah. We get these really cool, like, POV shots of the shark, like, coming up on this girl. Like, she's, like, swimming, and so we're getting these shots, like, from the POV of the shark. It kind of reminds me of Halloween, how we're, like, opening in the POV of, you know, the killer, the monster. Point. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I There's a couple of points where we get... Like, kind of Jaws POV. Also, cheaper than having to show the animatronic. So, two birds, one stone with that. It's more creepy, and you're keeping your monster within people's imagination before you're ready (laughs) to show it. It's a good way to, like, foreshadow it. I feel like it's so uh, much more effective than if we were seeing this shark. Oh, yeah, 110%. It's the right choice. Mm -hmm. I think when I was watching this movie, I was looking up to see if there was any other behind-the-scenes stuff I could find. And apparently, like... The rig that they had this actress on to, like, whip her around in the water where it looked like she was getting eaten, like, kind of, like, bruised her up. So, like, they thought, like, I think there was something where they were like, oh, she got hurt on the set or, like, got actually, like, broke her leg or something. She's like, no, I just got some bruises from, like, being whipped around the water really fast. It was fine, actually. Well, you suffer for art. I guess so. That's what she did. That's the way it works. So, okay. After that, we meet the town sheriff, Brody. His job is to keep the people safe. He wants to close the beach. So, But here we get the first hint that the town mayor 
is not gonna like what closing the beaches would do to the town. He's an economy. absolute piece of shit, you mean? Yeah. It's really like we talk about this every time, right? Most times in horror movies, the monster is not the sinner, right? The monster is not the the idea that we're rallying against. The monster is just kind of this amoral creature. The shark is just being a shark. It's not good or bad. Yeah. But this mayor, Mayor Larry, I don't remember his last name. History's greatest villain. He's just like, He's oh, the worst. God, we gotta make money. This ta- like, and I do kind of get it. Like, it's sort of his job to like. He's in charge of the town, and the town is a vacation town. You know, it, they make all their money for the year over the yeah. course of the Fourth of July. It is the Fourth of July. But the thing is, their customers dying is much worse than them losing business because they closed down. Mm-hmm. And he's just th- this stuff like hits really different. Like, actually, I told our our mutual friend Francesca that we were going to be doing this movie. And she mm-hmm. was like, oh, yeah, I actually rewatched that recently, and it hits way different because of COVID stuff. And I was like, Oh, what? sure. I can't. Yeah. I can't imagine that. And then when I watched it, I was like, oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. who who cares about the safety of individuals? That's not important. We're just going to barrel on ahead because money. Well, not only that, there's like this point of view that I think the mayor in this movie embodies really clearly that like is so afraid of what's happening and it's so far beyond him that he is like actively working to keep his head in the sand like that is so terrifying to me because exactly admitting it's real he's working against his own self-interest yes yeah that that's like the worst part of it yes it is against his own self-interest and it's just because he's scared which Mm -hmm. is like you can understand that but then like the greed aspect too where it's like one i don't want to admit it's real two if i admit it's real then i have to do stuff about it and then three, mm-hmm. if it's real, then all these other things are going to domino and I won't get to do what I want anymore. And because he chooses to pretend that it's not real, it's a lot easier to just... It's so weird. That scene where they, like, confront Brody on the like the little dock thing, it's like mm-hmm. a ferry. He's, like, bringing... His, they're bringing their cars across. Where it's, like, Brody on his own, just leaning against the railing, and then the mayor and three of his henchmen or something get out other like town people in suits mm-hmm. other they like corner him well literally. importantly one of those characters is the coroner who is backing oh. up the mayor's claims that this is not a shark attack that this is probably a boat attack that's whatever. right yeah he changes yeah. his tune on it and he's like what and especially because mm-hmm. like brody is the one who takes the responsibility when like that goes wrong later which we'll go into where it's he is doing his best to protect people but like he's not being given the tools to do it so he literally can't mm-hmm. which is so frustrating it's upsetting yes yeah it is brody is like a great movie hero just in general in that like he doesn't push the blame even when the blame is on somebody else like he's just taking it he's being this this basin for people to dump their anger and sadness in throughout the movie yeah because like, he's like the middleman kind of in all the of these horrible things are happening but i think he also he also takes the blame himself because he is like a person who feels responsibility and mm-hmm. cares about the people in the town and the, and like his position he's the best example of an actual sheriff you could ever hope for mm-hmm. where he actually gives a shit yeah i should have pushed back further against the mayor to like not let it be open i just decided to let the mayor steamroll me and be like okay i guess i mean who knows how much he would have been able to fight against that had he chosen to dig his heels in and say like fuck no Mm -hmm. but he he acknowledges within himself that that was a failing that he couldn't do anything like he yeah puts it upon himself even though the blame should not be with him and i will also say the very first line brody's very first life in the entire movie is to his child right he his kid like runs into the house and he's got like a slice on his hand and brody says to him stay off those swings they're dangerous like hmm. the very first thing brody says is like he knows where danger is and he knows when it is to be avoided <laughs> like yeah. he is smart and capable like he's just like such a a, a great movie hero I love him so much. He's just like him and the um the coroner are the two poles to me. It's like the mayor is evil, but the coroner is just such a coward. Like yeah, he calls up Brody truly. and says, like, yeah, this was a shark attack. And then on the little Weasels. ferry, he's like, actually, it could have been a, a, a boat that hit her. Yeah. Uh, the, the economy is perfect. The actor does a really good job, too, of just looking like a horrible little weasel man who just, like, <laughs> completely bowed the minute anything happened. <laughs> Unbelievable, this guy. So the beaches stay open. And, of course, 
That next day, the shark eats again. Eats a little boy named Alex Kittner. Yeah, so it's a child this time. Very sad. (laughs) Very sad. We get this beautiful, beautiful shot of Brody, like, sitting on the beach. And he's like- Oh, that zoom. The zoom-in thing. The the zoom-in thing. Weird dolly thing. I- God, I looked up how uh, the exact explanation of how they do it, but it's like one the most iconic use of that type of it's shot. It's so good. Whenever you think of that type of shot, you think of that. And they also do like a really good job of like setting it up throughout that. Like he has all of these moments of like scary things happening that like people will scream and he'll like look over, but it'll just be like because they're like shoving each other in the water. Yeah, because like he's still trying to do his best. He's like going to be essentially mm-hmm. a lifeguard. He is only at the beach to make sure people don't get eaten by sharks. <laughs> <laughs> And to the point that, like, people come up and literally rag on him about it. I think they might have even been some of the dudes who were on the ferry. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Brody also has a fear of water, which I can't remember if they talked about that before. Not just that he wouldn't go in the water normally, but now he has, like, a reason to be hyper vigilant. Yeah. Uh, while at the it's, beach. Th- that, I think, is the only real flaw of this movie. It's that, like, Brody's true character, like, he starts out as a perfect man perfect for the job he's doing he is perfectly right and his only real character change is by the end he's like less afraid of water and that feels kind of like at the last minute they realize like oh brody doesn't really evolve as a character at all yeah it's kind of more of a spielbergian thing yeah where it's it's more like you're watching brody have an adventure you're not watching him go through an arc i guess right which is perfectly fine but yeah it's kind of i would say i agree with you that it's sort of missing something in that yeah it's like it's like bolted on they mention it two times in the movie yeah and then, i think if they had leaned harder on it maybe it would have been more of a evident thing i guess yeah it would have been like really powerful to see him like at the end getting on the boat to go hunt the shark if we'd seen him like in the water and scared and having i don't know yeah yeah no i think that's a good idea fighting honestly. uh uh tussling with an octopus and then we're like oh that's I why mean, you're afraid well maybe <laughs> maybe not that far but uh it- <laughs> It would make sense that he just fights sea creatures all the time. He's fated to fight It would sea rule creatures. so much if Brody just kept getting into these scrapes with the <laughs> fish monsters. <laughs> so we move on to the town hall meeting, and everybody who comes makes it very clear they would prefer the beaches to stay open. Even though a child died, they watched a fucking child get eaten. They're like, Absolutely. oh, did we? Is that how we died? <laughs> like, there's literally people who are questioning that. This is a movie, so we've talked about this on the podcast before a bunch, this idea of plot versus story. Like, the Mm. plot of Jaws is, there's a shark and we have to go stop it. And the story of the movie is, like, at at what point does something become so dangerous that we as a society start to sacrifice our economy for it? Like, that's the emotional story of it. For safety, I guess. this movie has the best story-to-plot ratio I've ever seen. Because it's, like, 90-10 story- 10 plot like they Mm. kind of don't the shark is certainly driving the events but like this is about a man frustrated with a town and they do such a good job of setting them up and they're all so villainous oh i love it and like in small very ordinary realistic ways too which i think is why it it like gets you so much because you're like yeah Mm -hmm. you we we literally have experiences happening and it's stuff that has happened in the past it'll happen again (laughs) <laughs> which is kind of i guess one of the more bummerish parts of it but i it's a very real thing that it is tapping into for real uh so we also at this town hall meeting the mother mrs kittner has put a bounty on the shark and we yeah. quint shark bounty <laughs> it's like a yeah, hand-drawn like sign wanted posters around yeah. town. <laughs> wanted shark it's- oh she she put it in the paper too i think because like i I think I can't remember if we're going to get into that now or later, but like it gets a bunch of weird out of town or people who are like, yeah, give me three thousand dollars to kill a shark. Uh And they're just going insane. (laughs) I want to see like the sharks wanted poster. And it's it's like a photograph of a shark, like from the side. And then just it's like white shark belly. Like you get the two mug shots next to each other. (laughs) We think you look like this. There you go. So. And I, I read a little bit about this movie, and the script did, it was like being rewritten as they were making the movie. Oh, for real? Yeah. Um, That's why I don't remember who it was. There's one actor who, like, appears just kind of like a, a chubby dude. I can't remember who he was. But he's, like, the screenwriter, who is, like, oh. on set rewriting this movie to, like, give it more of a sense of humor. 
Oh, for and, real. Oh, yeah. Like, this is based on an original novel, and the original mm-hmm. novel is extremely different. That tracks to me. Yeah, like, in insane because ways. Because you can tell there are a lot of, like, like, uh, like the fear of swimming being kind of bolted on. I would argue that Quint's appearance here is mm-hmm. very cool and, like, a good setup. But I can yeah. just, again, see these development meetings where they're like, why did you introduce this huge character, like, three quarters of the way through the movie like seed him in there somewhere find a way to put him in there and it becomes this incredible iconic moment where in the middle of the town hall meeting quint scratches his fingernails on the chalkboard and yeah. gets their attention and says i'll get this shark for ten thousand dollars and he like says it as and like, they're like all right we'll think about it and then he goes away yeah he's like old-timey fisherman bounty hunter yeah shoot who is Mo- moby dick who was hunting moby dick oh uh moby dick's dad Yes, of course, Moby Dick's dad. He's got that (laughs) vibe to him. You know what role he kind of feels like he's playing here is the teens are driving up to the cabin for the weekend and they stop for gas and the old Mm -hmm. man is like, don't you go up there. Like Mm -hmm. this this man with gravitas who lays out that like, you are in trouble now, boy. (laughs) Yeah, yep. But it is kind of like. It's it's not super satisfying <laughs> to just have Quint appear. Well, yeah, he just like says that and then leaves. And th- yeah, and they just go. It's so funny to me. They're just like, we'll think about it, and then we don't think about it. And it's like it doesn't affect the story at all until the very very end. Yeah, I think that's when like the wacky dudes from out of town who are like all getting into boats in the water and like bumping into each other and shit <laughs> start doing things and causing chaos. Uh, yeah, we we get some. Uh, it's another just like quick appearance from the shark. Where, like, a bunch of guys go out onto a dock and try to catch it, and the shark just destroys the dock. Yeah, and then uh, the scientist friend. Why can I not remember his name? Uh, Matt guy. Hooper. Hooper, yeah. I think, does he show up, like, after this? I think Yes, too. this is when our buddy Richard Dreyfus, <laughs> Matt Hooper, comes to town. He's all sarcastic and smarmy. He's just fucking... <laughs> he's, he's Brody's new best friend. BFS he's forever. Ex- he is, like, this... Uh, He's almost the mentor of this movie. He's just like, hmm. no, Brody, you're correct. You should be using your voice. You should be trying to stop these things. Like, he comes in yeah. and, and sets it. Because he, he is an outsider mm-hmm. perspective as well. Yeah. He's like a science-minded person, and he's an outsider, so he can see, like, how fucked up it is. Yeah. It's very cool. He's, like, an expert on sharks. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he comes in, and he's just like... Yo, uh, you got some problems here, folks. You guys are all like he's shaming them. He's going to like these people and shaming them. And it's just like it's got this um you want to talk about reading differently post COVID times. It's got this like the New York liberal is here to come and shit on our way of life. And it's like they're right though. <laughs> like like yeah. they do kind of have this like dismiss the the townsfolk dismiss. Richard Dreyfus throughout this movie. Yeah. Like, ah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Look at this little uh, uh, faint <laughs> little boy. Yeah, this like little intellectual guy who, whatever, he just mm-hmm. put your nose back in a book, buddy. No one's listening to you, sort of <laughs> feel to it. So then, Roxy, one of my very favorite moments in this whole movie that is like, I don't think holds up. I think it's very stupid, but I okay. love that it happens. They catch a different shark. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing. Yep. That does indeed happen. <laughs> they ca- like somebody catches a shark and they come in and it's like again, I see why you do this from a screenwriting perspective. Like it's so it's good to have this like moment of hope. Like you it, you don't want the whole movie to be like, are we going to catch the shark? How do we catch the shark? Da, da, da. It's and like, even hey, Brody we got, too. We got shark. Like you see him get really excited thinking that they yeah. did it too because he doesn't have like the knowledge to know that it the bite size doesn't fit at all. You yeah. know. <laughs> They they give us this moment of hope so that, like, our emotions are, like, up and down. And I think that's yeah. why this movie has been so effective for so long. It's just, like, we're on the ride with these characters. And they're and so desperate to, like, have that proven. Things. Yeah, like, they're so desperate to have it proven be true. Like, especially the mayor, mm-hmm. too. He fucking shows up and is like, of course it has to be it. There can't be any other sharks. It has to be it because I say so and I want it to be over. So, Which also is a reasonable thing. The idea that there are two sharks is truly wild. <laughs> I mean, there would be lots of sharks in the area, though. I mean... Would there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe. <laughs> I, I think, like, sharks aren't that rare. Uh, I mean, obviously, like, a great white shark is, but... Sure. <laughs> and this is where Hooper comes up and he's like, I don't think that's a shark. Like, he he measures the tiger shark's bite radius and he's like, 
I don't, I don't know about all this. And so that is when we get Hooper and Brody having dinner together. Mm-hmm. And they're both freaking out and they just get so blasted drunk. They really do. <laughs> and so then they uh, cruise on down. Hopefully Brody's wife gave him a ride. And they go down and cut open the shark and they don't find the little boy's remains. They're like, this is not yeah. the shark. The funny thing is, like, they're they're egging each other on like they've already become bros. They're like, yo, we should fucking do, we should fucking cut open that goddamn shark. Let's just go do it. No one's going to say no. We're going to go do it. And then they drunkenly go do it. And what a great bonding moment. Like, these yeah. two, like, I buy their friendship so much because they're in this bizarre circumstance, but they're so, like, simpatico. They under- yeah, they, they feel like the, the only two sane people in town. Yeah. And they clearly like each other. Like, they they go out on this boat, and they, they go to, like, look for the shark, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they find, like, a smashed up boat, and Hooper oh, puts yeah. on his uh, his diving suit and goes down in there. And it's this really effective, this beautiful scene where getting, like, lights shining through the water and into the boat. Yeah. And that's when they find this, like, the skeleton of a man who <laughs> got eaten by the shark. I guess it's just a body. Yeah, but you he see the face, like his face lulls into frame, like from the broken, like mm-hmm. damage that kind of sunk the boat to begin with. And also that whole scene, it's very tense because you don't know if the shark could come up and like eat Hooper. You know, he could. Right. And like, that's why Brody's so nervous up on deck. And I think that's <laughs> also when you learn that like Hooper's family is really rich. He mm. literally bought that boat that they're using and like all of the tools and everything to yeah. like go after and investigate sharks which again it just like it i don't know it's kind of like the one point for the town that like he has the privilege to say like don't you know the only people who say like money won't buy you happiness money is not important are people who have money exactly (laughs) yes yeah he doesn't have any skin in the game if the town shuts down it's the right decision but he's just like you morons why don't you just shut it down they're like oh then i can't pay my heating bill and my baby will freeze yeah yeah it's another very it. valid point. <laughs> but so uh, this is where they find the great white's tooth. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he gets so spooked by the dead body that mm-hmm. it gets lost to the ocean. <laughs> oh, so sad. Their proof, Mikey. They lost their proof. And this is when Mayor Larry is just like, I don't care what happens. Uh, the shark could come tell me that he's going to eat one person a night for the next 12 nights unless he gets... 12 million American unmarked bills. And the beaches are staying open. Which is insane, because they get even more, like, record numbers of people there. <laughs> and then they're like, but it's a great white. And he's like, how can you tell? And they're like, we had a tooth, and now it's gone. <laughs> Fuck. And so he still won't listen to them, even though the expert is literally telling them that was there. And it's like, you don't know about sharks, dude. You should just listen to the expert. That's kind of the point. It's why that's his job. <laughs> this movie is such a great like it's such a great like comedy sketch because you're just uh why can't the uh i'm trying to think of like a good snl iteration of this it's it's just like uh i hate rob the copy guy so much and he's so frustrating and it keeps finding new and heightening ways of like uh, we're so frustrated with him <laughs> and eventually like that tension never gets alleviated in on saturday night live and that's why that's a piss poor show I'm just kidding. I love Saturday Night Live. Oh, scathing, yeah. scathing reviews of Saturday Night Live. Am I worried that Lauren Michaels listens to our podcast? I guess so. I guess I am. Do I want to get hired by SNL? You're damn right I do. I think I'd be great at it. Then, uh, yeah, keep, let's keep insulting your new boss's uh, show that. Yeah. That'll, that'll okay, do good. great for your resume. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if uh, when exactly it happens, but at some point in this sequence, right in this part of the middle here, the little boy who got eaten, his mother, Mrs. Kittner, learns that another girl got eaten by a shark and she approaches brody and is just like why'd you keep the beaches open and this is what we were talking about of like it's for poor brody this is it's fucking gut punch he's taking this on yeah he just he looks her in the eye too he doesn't like look away the mayor is literally right next to him saying nothing and like shrinking and like cringing in the corner Mm -hmm. because he fucking knows it's his fault because like after the lady says that she's like you left the beaches open like how could you i think she even Mm -hmm. like slaps him too i can't remember after that the mayor's you know it wasn't your fault right and he like tells him that even though it's like but you didn't say anything you you were content to let everybody think it's my fault even them though personally we know it's your fault and Mm -hmm. you're gonna keep that to yourself like you're 
you're trying to act like you're my friend or like you're my ally or something in this moment for some reason. Yeah. But you're not. It's so weird. But again, like talking about the way this movie like sends us on such highs, we caught the shark to such lows, like you're responsible for my baby's death. Yeah. Especially because the kid is so the kid who died, her kids like the same age as one of his kids, too. Yes. So uh, the shark comes back. (laughs) Sure does. He's like, the beaches are staying open. And they're like, well, it's a great white. It's going to come back. Yeah, it does. Buffet time for Jaws. And we get this really good sequence where Brody tells his son, Michael, to go play in the pond. And then the shark goes to the pond. Like, I I remember watching this movie as a kid and being confused, thinking that it was Brody's son who got eaten. And it wasn't. It was Miss Kittner's son. And then I was like, well, didn't his son already get eaten? And and just, like, not understanding, like... The kids look very similar, too. They're, like, uh, brown-haired white kids of, like, same body type. So this is the second episode in a row when I worry that I'm a sociopath. Oh, no. What? But the, I think what is it this time <laughs> I right. think as a kid, I remember thinking like, well, why is Brody so upset? Like it wasn't his if it wasn't his kid, because like I couldn't understand hmm. that you would have empathy. <laughs> for it. Well, I guess it's more like you would expect the parent to be more upset about their own kid. Maybe like you, you're talking about kid logic when you saw it. Mm-hmm. To be K- clear, kids don't have like the frame of mind. I'm trying to defend your sociopathic thoughts, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be clear, I was watching this movie while I heard a small animal. Uh, okay, then I take back everything I just said. Yes, Mikey, mm. you are a uh, sociopath. I think don't think you have to even take the test to think we know. Okay, great. So the mayor finally- That makes me feel great. <laughs> I'm glad to be in this room with you. Uh, the mayor finally agrees to hire Quint after this most recent shark attack. He's just like, yeah, damn. What, what a shark we got here. <laughs> what a shark- that does remind me of uh, a thing I made uh, a while ago where I photoshopped the title Jaws out of like the poster, you know, the famous poster that's got the shark uh-huh. coming up yes. in the water. And I photoshopped out the title and changed the in, in the same font, wrote, uh, golly, what a shark. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it was like, why did, why did they change the original title? Uh, because it wasn't wordy enough. It needs to pretty be more fu- wordy. Pretty funny. Golly, Golly, what a shark. (laughs) (laughs) So the mayor is like, okay, yeah, hire Quint. We'll get his $10,000, which when I was listening to that, I was like $10,000 to keep the beach open, like pay that. But in 1976 money, that was all the money in the world. The the entire town's coffers, I guess. That was like the federal budget was $9,000. Okay. So they were, it's a lot of money. Yeah, and you need an extra thousand on top of that to go to shark eradication, <laughs> so that's kind of a lot. What is what is the current federal budget? <laughs> I'm sure looking at if you can look it up, it will be horrifying, would be my guess. At the, least if uh, you're looking at military spending, probably. Six point eight trillion. It's so funny to me that Quint oh, would be like dear. <laughs> I'll kill that shark for you for six point eight trillion dollars. <laughs> there you go. It's too much. I mean, no wonder everybody was like, well, what a weirdo. Of course, we'll never be able to pay that. You're insane. <laughs> their, no, their reactions do sound a lot closer if that is the number. Yeah. I mean, if we had only factored in inflation, it makes so much more sense now. <laughs> so Quint, Brody, and Hooper, they get on the boat. They're going to hunt this bastard fish. They hate him. And they see him for a bit. They like this mo- This uh, this chunk of the movie does feel a lot like fishing. <laughs> like you are, yeah. Tense. You've got your line out, and it's just like they're kind of just hanging out. And yeah, literally, they're just hanging on the boat. the The rest of the movie is just these three dudes on a boat. So cool. <laughs> yeah, I lo- like this movie is almost a play at this. Uh, certainly at this point, like it could be, it could yes. function as a play. The way it stages out, especially like. You know, where they have the highs and lows where they're like having fun, hanging out. They think they catch mm-hmm. something, then it's nothing. And then they get drunk and share horrifying like backstory. <laughs> get very <laughs> real with each other about stuff. And this is yeah. also the moment when, uh, you know, we'll talk about this when we resolve the bet a little bit later. But where Brody says, I think we're going to need a bigger boat. He says it there. Okay, I forgot where they exactly said it. And Roxy? Oh, that's because they can't stop him, right? They do hook jaws, but then he, like, gets away, right? That's what... Yes. Okay. So. Okay. Here was my 
massive disappointment with this movie. Okay. Knowing that there's this iconic line, we're going to need a bigger boat. I thought it was like a badass quip that Brody like turned the camera's like, we're going to need a bigger boat. And then they continued to like, okay, we're going to hunt the shark. But it's mm-hmm. kind of his whole deal for a while. He says it oh, a couple more it? times. He's just, he's just like, we should go back and get a bigger boat, right? It's so lame. It's oh, so for lame. real? Man, yeah, I, I was so bummed every time he said it after that. I want to rewatch that. I didn't even realize that. That would be a very funny thing on rewatch to think about. <laughs> Most all iconic movie lines should be like one badass quip that ultimately doesn't affect the plot. I think and that's the character my... always needs to turn and look at the camera when they say it. That's how that's you like know it's iconic. In everybody's first DVD, Citizen Kane, he goes, mm-hmm. he goes, Rosebud, as opposed to Rosebud. You think think about tracking down what that means and. Spend some time finding out how it relates to my life. Yes, that Anyhow, is the quote. Time exactly. to die. <laughs> exact quote, line for line. And is that when he like stands up and claps really emphatically or something? <laughs> I've never seen this in Kane. I just know that meme, the clapping meme. It's time for me to die. <laughs> yes, congratulations. Time to die. So, Roxy, let's talk about the very best scene, I don't know, in the history of cinema. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, that night, Quint and Brody and Richard Dreyfus get drunk in the boat and like sing sh- sea shanties and oh, talk about, about their the lives. And yeah, compare scars. This is like the, the this to me is like the difference between a movie and art. Even though I don't like the term art, I don't think art is like a a valid like a, the the importance of it. Just like this moment could so easily be cut from the movie Mm. and it would not be the great movie that it is like this move it moment is so realistic to me just in the sense of like when you're in these insane situations with people or even when you're in like kind of uncomfortable situations with people i mean i feel like i remember uh having flights delayed and just like having like conversations like this with people when you're like stuck on the tarmac just Mm. this these relationships that build in these moments of tension and quiet and frustration. I just like, I love this scene so much and I want to watch it uh, over and over. And I think every movie should just have a scene where the main characters just have a sleepover and talk about their lives. And again, has nothing to do with the story. I mean, I'd be down for that. And I'd say it also, it like galvanizes them as a team, as friends and makes you care about them. So like Mm -hmm. when stuff is going to happen to them, like, you know, he's Quint has been like kind of this weird figure up until this point where he feels like he is their friend now. And like you right. get his deal because he's going through his backstory about like why he hates sharks so much. And it's Which because again is so funny. <laughs> it's crazy. Um and I actually had listened to a true crime thing after we watched this, like one of these true crime channels I listened to from time to time, literally covered the story he was talking about. And I was like, wait a minute, that was a real thing that happened. Like, literally, they went to go bring the atomic bomb over there, right? Or was it specifically the uranium, I think, for it? And then they get sunk. And then there's like hundreds of men in the water getting eaten by sharks and like dying in the water until they get help. Like, it's real. (laughs) And again, it's about how, like... That rules, first of all. Yeah, it's terrifying, because, like, they also didn't know they were in this place, because it's supposed to be a secret mission or whatever, so, like, mm-hmm. they didn't sure. get rescued for so long. And it's like, yeah, that would make me hate sharks and turn into a fucking weirdo who was gonna, like, hunt them until I die and become, like, it's the just, best shark hunter imaginable. It's so funny to me. Like, it's it's very much like the Indiana Jones, like, why did it have to be snakes? Like, poor <laughs> Quint has spent his whole life dealing with sharks. Like, he's yes. got a... A backstory where, like, a shark killed his friends. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and we don't, I don't know. I don't know that we need motivation for him to hate sharks. I think it's okay that he hates sharks. I mean, it's a fun little extra, but yeah, I agree. It was not necessary, but I'm glad mm-hmm. they put it in there. Uh, I'm so happy it's in there. So we get this whole night where they're buddies and they're drinking and they're swapping tails. And at some point, boy, oh boy, that shark attacks again. He's not done. He can't stop himself. They, they their method of hunting him, I guess, is to like harpoon him and attach barrels to him. Yeah, like keep him from diving. I think right. So they put yeah. barrels on him so he can't get away. And they keep again. They do such a great job of like 
We got two barrels on him. No way is that going to be able to, is he going to be able to keep going? And he keeps going. Yeah. And then eventually they get three barrels. He's like, three barrels? And, and it's just like, I don't know exactly how these barrels function or not, but I, I, they do such a good job of like concisely saying like, two barrels is a lot. Yeah. But three barrels. And the fact that he's still rocking and rolling after. <laughs> yeah. Three barrels. I think so he, cool. that's when he goes under and, like, does he smash the boat at that point, or? Well, this is where Quint, like, blows the boat motor out trying to get it back to shore. Okay, gotcha. Where Hooper's like, hey, settle down, go easy on it. He's like, ah, yeah. I'll get back to it. So much Which... stuff happens on the boat, like, after they have that that drunken mm-hmm. hangout night that it all kind of, like, blurs together for me with the order. But, okay, yeah, so he blows so. out the motor, gotcha. Blows out the motor, they're trying to get back, so the sh- the... Boat is just stuck there. Okay. Uh, Hooper decides they they've been setting it up throughout the movie that he has this shark cage. Oh, that, that's right. Yeah, you know that the is shark cage part. A real thing, you know that people uh-huh. have cages that you can go down and look at sharks and not get eaten. And Quint sees it and he's like, "Buddy, you are going to get your ass eaten fast." And they do like again. This is another moment where like I don't buy this. <laughs> I, don't buy, okay. I don't buy Hooper going down in this shark cage. He's just like, well, what else are we going to do? And it's like, I don't know, anything else like that is. Yeah, anything I, but I just, that, dude. He goes down. He, he's he got like sleeping drugs in like a harpoon that he's like, if I can just shoot it, I'll, we'll fall. We'll get it to fall asleep. And Hooper goes down in the cage and the shark does rip open the cage. And we think Hooper's dead, but he's not. Yeah, you never actually see it happen. And then, yeah, yeah spoilers, he's not dead. It, it's like, it, it, it's very but much the word. Jaws is like, I'll let you live a little longer. I'll I'll keep toying with you, my prey. Yeah. <laughs> Except he's literally his prey, not like uh how Bond villains do it. Yes. Uh and this is also when, wouldn't you know it, our boy Quint gets eaten by the shark. In a very like funny, slow way. It's so weird. It's like it's funny, but also kind of more terrifying because of how yeah. slow it is. Cause he's like kicking with his feet to like try and not get bit and then he bites on yeah. one leg and then just you have brody who is like wants to help him but he knows that he can't he'll just get eaten too because mm-hmm. like the boat is half capsized by that point it's a uh, yeah and and that's when you have the shark up on the boat for the first time and you see like the animatronic wiggling around yes. and <laughs> i thought it looked great i don't know what they were talking about if i had seen that thing throughout the whole movie i'd be yeah. like yeah perfect Good no, it, I think it does look good, too. And I bet, like, when you had seen it in theaters or on VHS, it would look even more convincing. Like, yeah. if you see it in HD 4K or something, it might look a little more rubbery or something. But I think it was still effective. If I had seen that in the movie theaters, I would have written Steven Spielberg a letter that said, just, hey, nice looking shark, dude. <laughs> How dare you scare me with that realistic shark that you made? It's very good. Good job. And he would write back, thanks. <laughs> and we'd never talk again. That's even though that night meant something I mean, to both of us. That's all you need to say to him, Mikey. I mean, what else would you even say, right? He gets it. So finally we get this, the final hero moment. Brody throws a gas canister into the shark's mouth. Mm-hmm. And takes his revolver and is aiming. He's just like, come on, you son of a bitch. <laughs> He's unloading on the guy. And finally, he lands the shot, explodes the canister. The shark pops into at least 30 or 40 pieces. It actually absolutely explodes his head. No more shark. It is straight up rain and shark. Hallelujah. Roxy. Yeah, it really is. And I think that's also when he's like trapped on the mast. Like everything else is yes. sunken except for the mast. And he's just like wildly shooting. Sinking. All he's got is his fucking revolver. And it's just a couple of shots. If he can do it or not, he's going to die or live on those shots. And then. Hooper comes back. He's like, hey, I'm okay. okay, somehow. He's and like, then they hey, swim buddy. back together. And the movie ends so abruptly. Yes! So I didn't remember it ended that abruptly. Like, I don't even think they make it to shore yet. They're just like, well, the yeah. shark's dead. That's all you need to know. And then we'll pan yeah. over to the shore that they don't get to yet. The end. He says, uh, Brody says something like, well, I'm uh, certainly less afraid of the water now or something. And it's like, he- okay, great. <laughs> good, good, buddy. <laughs> I'm like uh, half surprised it didn't even just end in a freeze frame on that with them like grinning and looking at each other after that line. Don't you forget <laughs> about me. <laughs> and Roxy, that's Jaws. Dun, dun, dun. 
That was Jaws. It's a great movie. Roxy, what do you think the big idea of the movie is? What deep human fear is this movie poking at? I mean, we kind of talked about it before. I feel like so many of these. It's capitalism will just chew you up and spit you out. You're at its whims, whether you like it or not. And that, yeah, it doesn't care about the people who get ground up. The people who die along the sidelines mm-hmm. doesn't care about the environment it destroys. In the meantime, it's going to assert itself over everything. Yeah. The thing about killing the shark, too, is it's it's almost in service of that because it brings the status quo back by killing the shark. The shark is just doing a shark thing in nature and they kill mm-hmm. it. So then you can keep just continuing to make money. So it is a win, <laughs> but then it's like, okay, but yeah, now we're back to this again. Mm-hmm. Hey, we did it. I said that it was about three things. Number one, okay. capitalism. Uh-huh. Number two, how small and insignificant we are in the face of nature. Oh, like, yes. The shark is kind of this metaphor for like, if if the world decides to take us back, it could. Yep. And then totally. the third thing that this movie is about in terms of what we're afraid of is sharks. Just sharks. We're afraid of sharks. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, this movie has the infamy of demonizing sharks way more than they actually should be. Like, sharks are not these violent, horrible, terrifying creatures the way that they are made out to be. Mm-hmm. Like, most shark bites are kind of exploratory because they think you're something else. They think you're like a seal. They don't really want to eat a person. They give you a bite if they think you're a seal, and then they're, they're like, ew, gross, I don't want that, and then they go mm. away, is more often what happens. with That, uh, I would say, is more hurtful than getting actually eaten by a shark. Because you're being rejected by the shark. Yeah. They're saying gross to me. No. Yeah, they don't even want you. They <laughs> no don't one says even that to want you to be it. their prey. <laughs> That's what you say to every shark you meet. Yeah. <laughs> every shark you meet, how dare you? How dare you, sir? I present my leg like a like a fine fillet. Roxy, do you have a question for me? I do. So we know our main character, our main man Brody, he was scared of swimming. So I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you, what is the scariest swimming experience you've ever had? Okay, so I've got two. Okay. One that's tangibly scary and one that's even more scary. Okay, I'm on the edge of my seat. Once again, I'm terrified. What happened? Number one, I was uh, visiting California with my family. I was swimming out in the ocean, and I saw, like, a discarded plastic bag. Okay. And I looked close, and Roxy, it was not a plastic bag. It was a jellyfish. A jellyfish. Was it one of the dangerous kind? I don't know. I think it was dead. But then, like, I sprinted out of the water and just saw a bunch of jellyfish, like, on the beach. And I was, like, I'm scared of jellyfish now. Yeah, well, make sure you don't step on any of those. They can be quite bad. They'll sting you. But then the other, and I would argue even more terrifying swimming experience. When I was in maybe third grade, I was taking swimming lessons. Okay. And Roxy, it was the first time (laughs) that I experienced failure. What? Because I don't know. I don't even remember thinking that we were being graded or that I was like moving on. But I was in like level three swim class. And I got a like a report card at the end, and I failed level three swim class. And I remember taking it to my stepdad and just being like, "What does this mean?" He was just like, "Well, it just means you didn't pass the swim level." And I was just like, "Oh, that's too bad." I didn't, I like, I didn't know I was good or bad at swimming. And so then I had to go to level two swimming, and I took it with like a bunch of first graders. And so that oh, was oh no, yeah, especially because then all of the kids who moved up above you, like, did mm-hmm. you have one of those swim classes where it's kind of just like they will section off parts of the pool, so there's multiple classes and age groups yes. going on at once. Okay, that so yeah, exactly you can it. see the other kids in like the class that you flunked out of. They're like, ha ha, Mikey's with the baby class. I was with the babies. Uh, <sighs> ultimate shame. I'm still sad about it. Roxy, what was the scariest swimming experience you ever had? Uh, so the scariest swimming experience I ever had, I was similarly a child when this happened. Uh, I went to a swim park. Uh, I think they were like my brother's friends. So it was like a bunch of his his friends and like their one of his friends. And then that friend had a bunch of siblings who also came with us. So I was kind of like doing my own thing because I didn't really know any of them. I went on like this slide that was shaped like a whale. It was relatively short, not like this, the scariest, most intimidating looking slide to like go down when you're a kid. So I thought, yeah, this will be no problem, right? I walked up or like I climbed up to the top of it, slipped, 
hit my chin are real bad enough to like start bleeding all over now and since it's like a head wound um it bled a lot so like i bit the bottom of my chin so bad i was bleeding everywhere and like i don't remember it hurting as much but like seeing the blood in the water and like knowing your body can do that that it can bleed that much and then having (laughs) the adults and other people around me like screaming because like the volume of blood it looks way worse than it actually was Mm mm-hmm was just like terrifying. Was it like in Nightmare on Elm Street where just like there's just like a torrent of blood? Kind <laughs> like, of, yeah. And like seeing adults <laughs> act like that. Like I don't think I'd ever seen adults act like that. Um, which Roxy, I mean, I guess I'm they picturing would. You, I'm picturing you hovering on a small torrent of blood like Mario in Super Mario <laughs> Sunshine. <laughs> uh, yeah, see that that's a recreation. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto saw my childhood trauma and decided, you know what? I we need Mario I to do. I love Shigeru Miyamoto, sunglasses on. <laughs> he was there. He's at the pool. The lifts them up. He's like, "Now this is an idea for a game." <laughs> and he puts his sunglasses on and he cleans his gun. <laughs> oh no! Uh, his uh, why does he have a gun? Who knows? This is. Don't you have like a bubble gun or something in that game? No, it's just a water gun, right? Yeah, it's a, the the gun also turns into a gun. Did you use your okay, chin as a blood gun? <laughs> I sure did. To spray now, the now that I think about it, like pinatas. They, I was like bleeding into the water. They didn't shut down the park or anything. It's got to be like a hazard, <laughs> a hygiene hazard, biohazard. I created biohazard and they didn't care. I, I have very distinct memories too of like my mother patching me up, sitting in like the off the trunk of like uh, an SUV or something. You had they would just open it up. I was sitting there mm-hmm. and my mom like had the fucking huge giant like gauze pad under my chin. <laughs> <laughs> And being well, like, Roxy, well, we can't all go swimming anymore. I gotta take care of this. I'm so glad you made it. I'm so glad you didn't Me lose too much too. blood. Yeah, I somehow made it, despite the fact that I was gushing enough blood to uh, pressurize me to travel great distances. <laughs> Pretty tight. Yeah. Roxy, I mean, on a scale from one to nine, because the number 10 does not exist in the scary basement, uh-huh. how likely would you say the events of Jaws are to happen? So I said nine out of nine that people will ignore threats and literally die from it because I don't want to admit the threat is real mm-hmm. because capitalism exists and made it the situation where they had to. <laughs> uh-huh. So And shark attacks happen often, it, too. That's exactly what I said. Roxy, this is our first true nine. Hell yeah. Both gri- rights and capitalism both exist. That okay, is, quick. This what? is a logical, <laughs> this is a documentary. Uh, yeah, it truly is. Uh, last week we made a bet. At what timestamp does that famous "we're going to need a bigger boat" line occur? Uh-huh. I yes. said one hour and thirty-five minutes, and you said, I said forty-five minutes. Roxy, the answer was one hour and twenty-one minutes. Oh, look at you! Does happen towards the end. So yes, I will win that point. You got Our it. Bet Heck totals yeah. at this Very point close. stand: Roxy with sixteen, Mikey with yeah. twelve, Ty with one. Sixteen. All right. Excited to see how we have to spend those. I'll bet uh, Demon Bot is going to uh, torture us. <laughs> like I in, sure hope Like in not. Metal Gear Solid. And every time we, uh, the only way we can get him to stop is to use one of our bet win tokens. Oh, I thought it was just we'll we had to press the X a moment button of an insane amount of times to not die. Or was it Maybe a square a, button? Circle yeah, a button? circle. You had to, pre- you had circle. to press circle because okay. it was the hardest button to hit on the PlayStation controller. Uh, I would bet if our health bar gets to zero, we can use our total bet score tokens to uh, get a continue. I sure hope so, because I've been saving them up for a while now. So we're going to need to use them at some point, And I don't want to know when, but I want to be prepared in case we do. So... <laughs> Bot, here he comes, clomping over. Congratulations, you have successfully reviewed Jaws. Your souls are safe for another week. For next week, you must review the 1999 film The Sixth Sense, directed by M. Night Shyamalan and starring Bruce Willis, Haley Joel Osment, and Tony Collette. If you do not, your souls will be forfeit and I shall claim your bodies as my own. Okay, well, we can watch that. We can watch The Sixth Sense, can't we, Roxy? Oh, no, The Sixth Sense, Mikey. This was my childhood trauma movie. Oh, really? Yeah. It's it's probably why I'm not afraid of things anymore. <laughs> the same way, honestly. <laughs> really? It scared me so bad, and then I wasn't scared of anything else anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you, you had a lifetime of fear expelled just watching this one yeah film. yeah which i guess this is just speaks to how powerful it is i've literally never watched it since that initial watch through though so Ooh. i am looking forward to seeing what it's going to be like watching it like i don't know 20 years later however long it's been <laughs> <laughs> well okay i'm excited to watch it again too i liked it i saw it a bunch i feel like this oh, is like really? my favorite movie of 1999 oh it came out in 1999 i couldn't even remember what year it came out in Nice, uh, nice. Let's make a bet for next week. What do you say? Okay. Six cents bet. May I come up with it? Uh, yes, okay. Uh, <laughs> how about how many ghosts are in the movie total do we see? Okay. We have to be able to see them. And um, individual ghosts, say... not like seeing them multiple times. Right. Yeah. I'm not counting individual. <laughs> I'm just being specific. All right. How many, how many camera cuts yeah. <laughs> do we do on Misha Different Barton's face? Scene change. Uh, I'm going to say 11. I think that might be a little high. 11. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to prices right you again, I guess, and say 12. <sighs> Damn. So that's a good. That's a good bet. I mean, hey, if it's less than 11, you automatically win. And then if it's more than. 11 i automatically win. and if it's 11 and a half because one of the ghosts is split in half like uh that guy in 13 what? ghosts 13, 13 ghosts ghost lawyer yes then we'll have another tie well perfect the pact has been sealed i mean the bet is confirmed whoever is closest to predicting the number of dead people you see shall be declared the winner the winner shall receive this phone, which Bruce Willis has used to phone in every performance he's done since this film. Roxy, let's stop talking about such maudlin things, like maudlin. shark bites and ghost bites, and let's talk about what's making us happy. What's got you smiling outside the scary basement this week? <laughs> B- big surprise, Mikey, is video game related yet again. You love video games. I do, so do you. Hopefully people listening do, because otherwise they'll just be like, I had to just fucking stop. Why uh, are you but talking I'm not about the stop. circle button when you talk about torture? Yeah. <laughs> like, why? It does make no sense when you think about it in that context. I mean, I guess so. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. I don't even know what, if you have no context of what the PlayStation 1 button, or button, PlayStation 1 controller looks like. Like, how do you even process that? Anyway, speaking of PlayStation 1, the thing I'm excited about is Chrono Cross, Mikey, <gasps> which they're doing Chrono like- Chrono Cross? Yeah, it's a PlayStation 1 RPG that was very formative to me playing it as a kid. They're going to be doing HD like remaster re-release on uh, the Switch and other consoles. Uh, I'm very excited to play it. It's a beautiful game. Absolutely unhinged storyline that kind of makes no <laughs> sense, but is incredibly cool. So many of the environments, the music, the characters, it's- it's a really fun game, and I can't wait to replay it on a modern console. I want to say they announced that at, like, a Nintendo Switch event. Yeah, right? I think, yeah, they did. Um, and we I were was hoping watching... it was more of a remake instead of just up-res everything and repackage mm. it. But I'll take what I can get at this point. I was going to text you and say, like, hey, congrats. I know that the Chrono games mean a lot to you. But I also, like, I was watching it live and I was afraid you were going to watch it later because I know you sometimes, uh-huh. like, watch it later on stream. So yeah. I was like, I can't spoil it for her if she's going <laughs> to keep it late. And then I didn't remember when, <laughs> a few <laughs> days later, when, like, you clearly would have watched it or heard about it if you were going to hear about it. I had another friend who spoiled it for me anyway. We're, like, both fans of the game we talked about, like, a long time ago. Like, hey, we should stream the game. And then he and his wife had a child and then he couldn't do anything like that anymore. <laughs> I mean, priorities, man. I get it. But I'm not going to say I'm not disappointed by it. Steve, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many friends who are called Steve. It'll be uh, (laughs) it'll be a uh, who's who to find out who who is the Steve I'm talking about. I Um, love the idea that you have like a Justice League of friends named Steve. Steve. (laughs) Yep, I sure do. Steve, it's Steve. Come in. (laughs) <laughs> and I love them all, but I'm annoyed at this one Me because too. we we will never get to stream Chrono Cross. Anyway, what is making you happy this week, Mikey? Well, Roxy, I already referenced her earlier uh, earlier oh. in the podcast. She was barking. This little dog I'm watching. Oh, that's right. Yeah, your dog sitting. This is wonderful. You even sent me a photo. It's a very good, cute little dog. Or I love this dog. dog. Her name is Shima. She is like a pit bull, but whatever mix she is, she's like a forever puppy. She's just like mm, very yeah, small. She, yeah. And 
she's so funny and she's so smart. So like, okay, so Shima eats right when she wakes up, right? Okay, like half asleep. And dog. if I'm being lazy and can't get out of bed, she won't like bark or whine or anything. She'll come up to my sleeping face that's pressed against the pillow and she'll like dig her nose what? under my head. Like okay. she's burrowing out and like lift up. <laughs> and like, so like lifting my face up off the pillow. And then uh, if I do like, like you kind of wake well, up. She's got a cold like, huh? dog nose too. So like yes. not only the motion, but like cold dog it nose. It kind of shocks me. Yeah. If I lift my head off the pillow even a little bit, she will squirm under and lay on the pillow. What? So I physically can't put my head down. No, she just becomes the new pillow then. Little does she know now she's the new pillow. She's not. She's got that weird, like, muscular dog body. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so I guess like, it's pretty hard. Then. <laughs> but I, I just think that's, like, so smart. <laughs> it's, like, not annoying. It's just, like, cute. And it's, like, a good plan. I love this dog. She's really nice. And she's like, I know you need to be up anyway, Mikey. Like, you shouldn't still be in bed anyway. I'm doing you a favor, actually, by making you come feed me. <laughs> I am absolutely more productive when I'm here at my friend's house. Hell yeah, maybe I need a dog, man. <laughs> Wake Think me about up, it. keep me on track. Keep you regular. The cutest alarm clock. I mean, I was just talking about how much I hate alarm clocks. Maybe this is the solution, Mikey. I, I think you would grow to hate a dog. <laughs> I think you hate wh- alarms oh, so no, much. Oh no, if it became yeah. my alarm, yeah, it would transfer. You're right. Okay, I'm never getting a dog then. <laughs> okay. Roxy, each week the demon bot hires a new monster. To guard the basement door to keep us from escaping, and yet each week we still escape. I got a plan to get past the guardsmen this week. Okay. Take a look. Yeah. Who is it this time? This week I brought a king sized Butterfinger. Here's the thing. Uh, Okay. The way I see it, we're always so quick to either run away from or attack these guardsmen. Maybe we can buy their affection. Let's just try it. That's not a bad plan. I can get on board with that. Let's. Hope whoever's up there is amenable to speech and butterfingers. And we'll open the basement door. Oh no, Roxy! It's just ah. a leather face! Ah. It's a leather face! We gotta run! Get no. out of here! Go! 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 Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs>